0: and welcome to another edition of A Life of Crime Writing with me, James Murphy. Um, This is a very special edition of the show, this is our Easter edition Um, and throughout the series so far uh, I've had people telling me how much they've been enjoying the show, enjoying the podcast, but lots of people have also been asking me if I'm ever going to talk about my stuff, my books and my writing at any point. So... I had been looking for a wee while for a guest presenter to to talk to me about my work, um, and I've been thinking about all the lots of different people that I was going to ask to do it, and then I realised that I had a very very good presenter and a very very good interviewer actually living with me in the house. So my eight year old daughter Bella had has recently started recording her own radio show. Um, broadcast only within the house and she interviewed me recently um, about my work for her radio show and she did such a great job that I decided to have her come and be the guest host today so I'm about to hand over to her um, and I'm sure you'll agree she'll do a great job as podcast host of A Life of Crime Running. So hi Bella. Hi. How are you? I'm
1: good, how are you?
0: I'm very good. I'm looking forward to all these lovely questions you have planned for me. Mm -hmm. So you start whenever you're ready, Bella.
1: Okay. So what was um, the best thing that happened to you in your writing career?
0: Best thing that happened in my writing career? There's been lots and lots of things that have happened along the way. Because writers talk about it as being a writing journey. So you start out being a writer and it, I don't think your journey ever really ends until you stop writing. And I think for most people that's probably later on in their lives. Um, so we call it our writing journey. And I'm, I've been really, really lucky that there have been lots and lots of things that have happened to me along the way. Um, one of the best things I think has happened to me is that when I you know that when I first published The Rise of Terror I self-published it Mm -hmm. Um, and that means you put it out in print form and and an ebook form and all that you do all that yourself and you design all the work but it didn't look very good and it really didn't it's not that it didn't do well people liked it but it just didn't look great and it wasn't doing as well as it could have done so I was very very lucky to meet my what are now my new publishers Excalibur Press and Tina Calder from Excalibur Press um, because she had faith in the story and she had faith in me as a writer and with the two things put together um, she took me on to re-release the, the first book and it did really well um and so much so that she had faith in me to do the next two books as well so that's probably been the best thing that's happened but saying that having so many people telling me how much they love the terror trilogy and all the stories within it that's probably another really really cool thing that's happened to me too
1: so um who encouraged you to start writing
0: oh that's a good question um well, I was always writing on and off bits and pieces when I was younger. And then I stopped for a while. Um, and that was because I was training to become a teacher and then I became a head teacher and all that sort of stuff. So I was putting all my effort and all my energy into helping other people write and helping other people do well. And then I realised that my job was getting really stressful and what would be a good thing to help me. And I decided to take up writing again so I started that but I was always encouraged in my education and, and my, my writing by my family but um, the person who really got things going or a couple of people really got things going um the first one was mommy, because I was reading a book um, by a really famous author who I really like and the book wasn't great to be honest and I was saying I could probably write better than this as a joke to mommy and mommy said we'll go off and do it and she dared me to do it so I did um another person was a friend who was a sagholder psych- who is a psychic medium and you don't really know much about what a psychic medium is or what they do yet but you'll find out about that when you're older um but he he really encouraged me and he actually became one of the characters in the books was actually based loosely on him and he's actually just released the book himself as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So who um, kind of like, was there anyone that kind of like, was there any like offer bodies? Like was there anyone that kind of helped you with it? Or like kind of like a lock like a body for it?
0: Um. Yeah, well, you hear me talking when I'm interviewing other people about the crime fiction writing community, don't you? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they're all really, really supportive of each other, especially the local ones, all the ones here in Northern Ireland. So they didn't really know of me when I was writing, especially the first book. Um, But I started going to book events, you know, like when other people were doing launches and stuff. And very, very quickly they welcomed me into the community as a crime fiction writer so that gave me lots of confidence and made me think well these people are having faith in me they've welcomed me in and that's good so this must be something that's worth pursuing and they've supported me right through so that was book one and they've supported me right through the whole trilogy in different ways um And they're supporting me in Book 4 as well, the new project that that we're possibly going to talk about, I don't know. Um, So they've all been really supportive, but I do lots of stuff for them as well, because we're all friends and we're all community, and we all do different things to help support each other. So, for example, sometimes we would give each other things called ARCs, which are advanced reader copies of books, so that we can have a look through them and, and give some feedback and some ideas and maybe write some reviews or say something nice. Or, for example, my podcast and stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I know that one of them has a book coming out or there's something that they really want to talk about or something they want to do, I invite them on and we have a chat about it with doing. So we all really, really help each other out and we're all buddies.
1: So is there any like, offers you'd recommend uh, um, people who would like to start a crime writing career, or like who that's in the kind, of kind of like crime books and stuff like that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's lots and lots of local ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's me, obviously, you have to read my stuff, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are other people like um, Kelly Crichton, who has a really good series sharon dempsey has a new book which is the beginning of a new series which is really good as well brian mcgilloway um who's an english teacher like me um he has some really really brilliant books and i'm actually reading one of his his new book at the minute um so i'm really enjoying that so i would recommend him Um, i would recommend simon maltman who's another local crime writer and Jared brennan um, stuart neville and Sam Blake and Louise Phillips. There's loads I could recommend all day. There's lots and lots of good Northern Irish crime writers and Irish crime writers out there for people who are local, but there's lots all across the UK as well, like Val McDermott and um, even across the world. One of my favourite, favourite people is James Patterson. So, like, what can kind I
1: of help? you through the stress of like being a crime writer like was it family reading other people's books holidays or watching even like a favorite tv show what was like helped you with it
0: all of those things were all really really important especially family um your mommy even though you're so young you and mommy were always really, really supportive of me. And I don't know if you even really ever realized how supportive you were and still are. Um, And I see you're smiling, so we're all good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because you and mommy both knew that because I'm doing other jobs, like my work for the university and all that sort of stuff um, and teaching and all that kind of thing as well, um, it means that I don't really have time to write a lot so I have to give up some of our family time or we have to give up some of our family time um, and it's a, you were re, both of you were and are really really supportive of that um, but actually that meant that the time we did spend together and the times we do spend together as family are really 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 important um, and that's why we try to pack so much in and we're always there for each other and we try to do so many fun things and we try to involve each other in our lives um, in different ways, like me and you doing stuff like this. So that was a big help of stress, knowing that you two weren't, weren't um, feeling left out or feeling upset or anything like that. Um, and yes, spending time with you and doing the things that we do as a family, all the fun stuff that we do and all the crazy stuff that we do as a family, that really helps. And yes, you know I love watching crime fiction TV, don't you? And that's the time when you have to go upstairs and that's your bedtime and you don't mm-hmm. do that very much. Um, so yeah, I like doing that and I like reading, reading lots of crime books. Um, and although writing does have its stresses, yeah, um, but actually writing is a really, really fun thing to do. Um, there's other kind of more stressy bits to it. But the actual sitting down writing itself and coming up with stories and coming up with new characters and all that sort of stuff, that's really, really fun and that takes away stress itself.
1: So, like, can you maybe tell everyone, like, um, about maybe some Easter eggs in your books and maybe explain what an Easter egg
0: actually is? I'm glad you thought of that because it's a special Easter episode and I've been talking about that with another author and hadn't actually really mentioned it in my own one. So yeah, an Easter egg is um, a little hidden thing within books or lots of little hidden things within books that are things that the writer might like or the writer might know about or maybe fans of the book or friends of the writer might know about. Um, things that interest them so for example um i'm trying to think of other famous writers. so there's a, a friend and a, another local writer called stuart neville and he wrote two books under a different name called helen beck and that character or that pseudonym um, was actually the names of his two favorite guitars and he's actually he actually makes guitars now as well which is cool um, so that that was his Easter eggs, or there was a TV show, a BBC TV show called The Fall, which I really really liked, and it was written by a person called Alan Cubitt, um, and all the character surnames were all the the types of his favorite guitars. So um, there was a person called Stella Gibson and um. The, the, the main character of the body was called Paul Spector. So they were both guitar names. So in mine, you know I like my music. um And you know that the stuff goes... Well, you don't really, you haven't read the book, so you're too young, but hopefully you will in the future. And hopefully you'll enjoy them in the future. Yeah. Um, but in mine, I like my music and I'm a fan of the band Pulp. Um, and I used some of the surnames of the band members as surnames of my characters and through my writing i was really really lucky because i needed to have a new character for the last book the dark light book
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i actually got in contact and have been in contact with one of the band members of pulp over twitter you know social media mm-hmm. and i asked him could i use his name as a character and he said yes and he thought the whole idea of me having those Easter eggs was cool. And he let me interview him as well. So it was a really, so that was one of my favorite things. So that would be like um, you writing a book and asking Billie Eilish, can you use her name? And then her saying, yeah, I'm sure I'll do an interview for you as well. Mm. So that's how cool it would be for you. So I had that. And then, you know, the way in our house, we support two different football teams. Mm-hmm. And I support one. I support the really, really good one. <laughs> and your mommy supports, is it Loserpool or something? I forget their names. <laughs> um, but it's, it's something like that anyway. So um, what I thought would be really funny to do was, would be to have the character surnames of two of my main characters as the Man United manager and the Liverpool manager at the time. So the Liverpool manager at the time was Brendan Rogers. and Sir Alex Ferguson was the United manager. And one of my characters in the books is a Liverpool supporter and he's from Liverpool. So I thought it would be really funny to actually call him Ferguson. Um, and I put that in, into the books as well. And he gets kind of... Um, made fun of a wee bit because of that as well. So that adds a wee bit of humour to the books too. There's lots and lots more on Easter eggs in it, Um, like other main character names and where they come from. But what, what writers like to do, at least lots of writers like to do, is to tell people some of the Easter eggs, but not all of them. So keep them guessing, keep your readers guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some of them are actually quite personal as well. You want to keep them to yourself, so that's what I did on Easter eggs. But well done you for thinking of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, if there's any like, um, like parents that have kids, or if there's even any kids like listening with their parents, um. What would you advise to be to them if they wanted to be like a writer in the future?
0: Right. So, okay, there's lots of advice there. Um, and you know, because I'm an English teacher and because I've been, because of lockdown, I've been your teacher a lot as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I feel like about reading and how important reading is for everybody. Um, so for young people particularly read as much as you can and it doesn't matter what you're reading if it's magazines like you like you do um or your news round all that kind of stuff that you're Mm -hmm. really into um or your bold novels all those sorts of things Mm -hmm. Uh, read whatever you can wherever you can and read it as much as you can and i always say that the more you read the more confident you get because you learn more language um, and it makes you a better writer and it really, the most important thing is it makes you more able to communicate with people better. And the better you can communicate with people, um, the first of all, the easier your life is. But also the more you can make their lives easier and you can help them. And actually, people who are really good at communication, not that money is a really important thing. Uh, well, it is in some ways. Um, they tend to be the ones that... that um earn lots of money as well so i would encourage people to read now i can't really encourage people young people now maybe people your age listening to the podcast to be writing crime fiction because crime fiction is quite dark and it's it's about stuff that people your age shouldn't really know about and so I can't really give advice on that, but certainly teenagers and people who are old enough read read the books, read the or sorry, watch the TV programmes and watch the news as well. Because a lot of the stuff you heard me talking about true crime, haven't you? Um so watch the news as well. Um but I do want to say something about um encouraging young people um through the podcast because you know that my stuff and the stuff I write isn't really suitable for you, um. don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it will, it will be in the future and you'll learn from it hopefully in the future. But when every week when I'm previewing my podcast, you have always been really interested and wanted to hear it. And I know that that's because... I'm your daddy, and you think it's cool that I'm doing a podcast and all that, and I love that. I think that's really cool, and it makes me proud of you. Um, but also, I've noticed that you've really listened, or you've really listened to what's been going on in it, and you've—I think—you've learned a lot about how to interview people and all that sort of stuff. So, in my podcast, we talk about the the way people write. We don't talk about the content of what they write. So actually, they're quite suitable for people your age to read, I think. Um, and I've been really proud of the way you've come on. When you decided to interview me for your um, radio show the other day, I couldn't believe the quality of the questions you were asking me. And you've been the same tonight again. Um, the, you've interviewed me with more interesting questions and more difficult questions than some of the other people that I do interviews for in, as part of my job as a writer. So, good stuff, Bella.
1: So, um, what do you think about, like, people wanting to use subtitles and all that stuff? What do you really think about that?
0: Right, now, we'll probably need to, I know what you're talking about, but our listeners won't. So, I'll need to explain to uh, explain a wee bit to them. So, Bella's really in the news round. Um, and she's into all that kind of learning about what's going on in the community of young people within the news. Um, and I think I might have a budding journalist on my hands, which is brilliant. Um, But one of the, the stories that Belle's been following up lately is the fact that there's talk of putting subtitles underneath cartoons and kids' TV shows so that the... Um, the the kids watching them will be able to improve their literacy skills if, they, if they're not really readers, um, or they're not encouraged to read at home. So that's that's where the questions come from, or that's where the question comes from. Um, my answer, Bella, is I don't really agree with it, even though I, you know, what my the other things I do, and I'm sure you'll ask me about the festival and stuff too. Um, I'm really about helping people with their literacy, but. I don't really think having the subtitles would work because you would either be reading or you would be watching. I, I think it would be difficult to do both. Um, and I think that would put some kids off, probably a lot of kids off. Um, so I can see that it's a really a good idea if it had been maybe thought about you know, being done in a different way or encouraged in a different way. But to just start it, I don't think would be, would be useful.
1: Yeah, because I think it would just be better like reading for 20 minutes and then like watching TV for like 20 minutes, more in that way. Yeah. Because like, it's because you'd be very distracted, you would be then, when you're like watching it.
0: And both things are meant to be for entertainment. I mean, you should be, I know you learn stuff through reading and through watching TV, but most times it, it should be about relaxing and, and having your your chill time um so yeah you would do both that way but if they were mixed together I don't know if it would become maybe not chill time and maybe just a wee bit too much work Mm
1: -hmm. so um what do you think would be the best way to help kids like encourage kids to like read more like just maybe even like adults like how do you think would be the best way to encourage them to read
0: another really good question and I feel like I'm at a job interview for an English teacher now <laughs>
1: um,
0: and I don't um struggle answering them then as well right how do I encourage people to read okay well there's a lot of people in the world who just think they're not very good at literacy and that they can't read and they don't read and they don't write and all that sort of stuff and if you ask them, do you have a social media platform? Do you have Facebook? Do you have Instagram? Do you have whatever? They generally say yes. And my answer to that is, well, then I would say you do a lot more reading than you think. Because obviously people are always posting stuff and you're reading it. Um, and you probably do a lot more writing than you think. Because every post you put on um facebook or whatever media platform your social media platform you're using that's a a little tiny mini blog so whether you like it or not you're writing people are writing all the time without even knowing about it so i would say that you know they, they shouldn't really be not feeling confident about reading or writing because it's something they do every day and i would ask them things like do they read or read news articles on things like Belfast Live and stuff like that and, and it's always yes they do so actually people do lots of reading and they interact with literacy type skills a lot more than they realize so once you tell people that and they actually realize it themselves themselves it's about maybe raising their confidence a wee bit and because I remember Recently, when we were doing homeschooling, um, you had to do a news report, or you had to recount the story. That's what it was. Um, I can't remember what the story was about now. Can you?
1: I don't know. No.
0: So the memory's not good for either of us. But you had to recount the story, and you had to record your stuff yourself doing it. Um and.
1: Oh I, yeah, it was um the like a bible story
0: the um oh yeah the prodigal son yeah the
1: prodigal son
0: um and i remember you got really worked up about it because you thought you didn't have the skills and you didn't really understand the story and all that sort of stuff and the more we talked about it the more we both realized that actually it had nothing to do with your reading skills or your understanding skills it was about confidence and so what I tend to do is try to work on people and um, to give them what I call a route in the literacy so a way in the literacy and then try to build their confidence and what happened that day when we worked on your confidence Can you remember mm-hmm. what happened
1: I forgot
0: you remember, but you forgot. Okay, well, I can. I don't. I forgot what it was in terms of the the topic being the prodigal son, but I remember you did end up doing a really, really good recount. That you spoke well. You gave all the correct information, and I remember your teacher coming back with a note to you saying that it was brilliant work. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of things I would do to encourage people. Um. But also to read a lot as well. Just People don't really think, oh, I don't like reading. Because maybe when they were in school, um, maybe the books that they had to to learn about in school or or had to read in school were things that that didn't really interest them. But when you're outside school or when you leave school, you can read whatever you want. (coughs) So, like you were the Bulls. So... When you you were do you remember I started saying to you about reading the famous five and you were kind of we but oh I like it but I don't like it and it was it was hard for you to read but then you discovered the bowls and and you were away so try it for people out there just try different things until you find something that you like and then you'll be landed and you'll love reading
1: yeah because uh, if you like comedy shows maybe a bit good with like a comedy book or if you like crime programs maybe a crime book or like um fairy tale more like that cast kind of stuff programs like that maybe using like a fairy tale book like got all that stuff uh-huh. um so another question um well, what do you think the best way for people to learn how to read and all? Like is it like clapping, using symbols, just spelling out like singing the alphabet song or like stuff like that?
0: I think I I you know I help the train teachers and some of that's primary teachers and nursery teachers and stuff too. Um and part of what they do is obviously teaching kids to read. And all over Northern Ireland, most schools do a thing called Jolly Phonics.
1: I done that, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what you did. Um, and I think the way Jolly Phonics is taught, so you're kind of breaking breaking each letter down into a sound. Yeah. And then you're looking at how sounds mix together and all that to make words, and then you build on that. Um, I think that was a really, really good way of teaching young people to read teaching kids to read and it really did a lot for you um and i I, i'm going to embarrass you now and tell people (laughs) that um that uh, we got your accelerated reader results back lately and you have the reading age of close to a first year when you're actually in p5 (laughs) so um so from the point of view of it doing a lot for you, definitely. But if you don't put the skills that you learn into practice by reading and writing, which you did, thankfully, um, then you're not going to progress as quickly as as you would like or your parents would like. So it's it's about working hard and working with your with your family as well. Because I always there's a thing I always say that I wouldn't really consider myself that smart a person and you i know you kind of think well sure daddy was a school principal and he's a crime writer and stuff and he helps people to learn but i always thought that actually what you need is to work hard have a bit of faith in yourself and have the encouragement of your family and i was always really lucky with my family um and granny and grand and stuff always encouraged me to read and granny was always buying me books and stuff so anybody can do it
1: so yeah because I up from P1 to P3 I was kind of like we had all these phonic books and it was that um whatever it was like each day each week whatever it was maybe it's like c here all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and um we were using that and then like i think it was like p3 yeah it was that we um had to do this like test and it had like so it was that we all called up one by one at like this table and the assistant was sitting there uh, I think it was, like, 16 words we had to do. And we all had, to like, sounded them out and we had to, like, say the word to see what was it all correct or not? And um, I remember that I think I got them all corrected. Dude.
0: You did. I, you've, you've always done very well, but it, it was because it's hard work. And I know that there's lots of parents out there who are probably think, listening to you now saying, that we girl's really good, and you are really good. But what I have to say to the parents... Um on the other side of it, so from the parent point of view, is that you were really good, but but sometimes we had to say to you, me and mommy had to say to you, right? You have to start working and you have to concentrate more and stuff. Isn't that true? Yeah. So what advice would you give kind of people your age and and, and people maybe a wee bit older doing their GCSEs and stuff? Would you have anything to say to them?
1: Well, probably just kinda like um if maybe if you're studying maybe something like science and all that cast kind of stuff like that and like English and all that stuff maybe like because like bite size is all like ones all the way up to five-year-olds all the way up to like like 15 year olds or something and maybe you can watch some of those or like um maybe trying to like read books that's maybe in your age group and um that's good for you whatever you're studying on stuff like that
0: and what about i know it's meant to be you interviewing me but i'm just thinking about your point of view because i know you're really into your podcasts and you're um, the kind of the news round sites and stuff like that. But do you want to say anything about them?
1: Well, as well, what really helps me sometimes, obviously news round and all that stuff, but it's kind of something like that. Kind of helps you, like, kind of know what's happening in the world, kind of like a kid teenager way. It's it's like a wee podcast that I like called the Week Junior Show, mm-hmm. and it kind of talks about the news that happened all that week and you know, all that has these big debates and all and kind of like true and false and all that stuff and that kind of helps me like understand what's happening in the world too.
0: Cool and those are really great we podcasts I've heard them on the radio and stuff too with you. hmm
1: So um is there like um is there anything you would like to say about the like the Festival of Writing? Like what happens, age groups and all that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, okay. Right, well, the Festival of Writing has just had its... Sorry, the Northern Ireland Festival of Writing, to give it its correct title, um, has just had its second festival just before Christmas, actually. We're starting to plan for the third one. Um, and what we do at the festival is we do two things, really. Um, we try to encourage people, the, the kinds of people that we talked about earlier on who for lots of different reasons maybe feel like books aren't for them or writing's not for them or um, going to theatres not for them or what we call having access to the arts is not for them um, because maybe they, they didn't do well at school or they have literacy problems or learning difficulties or whatever. So we work with those people Um, to try and build their confidence and build their literacy skills. Um, And then we also work with people who, people like me, for example, who wanted to be a crime writer but didn't really have the confidence to do it or didn't know what to do or how to go about it. So we do workshops with them um, and we help them out and we run courses and things like that. And the really cool thing about that is because me... And, as, and Tina, my co-founder, who you know as well. Um, because we have so many friends and connections in different parts of the writing community and entertainment community and all that stuff, we can get lots of really top people, um, what we call the best in their, in their genre, to come and give talks and interviews and run workshops for us and all that sort of stuff, to help people um, to develop their writing and develop their skills. But the really other cool thing about it is that we then give them a platform and that means we let them go and showcase their work um, by having readings of their work and all that sort of stuff and doing different things with it to help build their confidence and help them move on. So the festival is a really cool thing and we do it, it's not just for particular groups, it's for everyone. Um, now we call it the Northern Ireland Festival of Writing because obviously it was aimed for people in Northern Ireland. Um, but because of the pandemic and so on we were really worldwide. This time we had people from all over the world. Um, I had people on my courses from Canada um, I have one person in New York. All sorts of different people from all over the world. And we were able to help them and make a difference in their lives which was really cool. So like
1: what do you think um like what would be the best kinda kinda like you know like what do you think about like audible books like more of that stuff? do you think that would? Um, help people learn how to read. Cause as well, sure that podcast I was talking to you about as well. Cause sure they have their that radio station. They have their, um, they have an offer thing called Story Quest, mm-hmm. and they maybe have we maybe, kids of the teenager kind of books like that. I know maybe kind of. They put that on it, and maybe one of their presenters will um, read it. And sometimes I would like the sometimes after um, we've had our tea and all that stuff, uh, it's about probably about nine, ten o'clock, only around that time. Um, I normally like to go in and then put on maybe one of their podcasts, uh-huh. maybe one or two of them I'll put on, and um, I would listen to them for, like, an hour, and then I'll probably just go to sleep then. So what do you really think about, like, audible books? Like, do you think they're good for, like, people to learn how to read?
0: Yeah, I do. No. I- the, there's no substitute for reading I, I'm a great believer in actually curling up with a good book and a nice big cup of tea or if you're old enough maybe a nice big glass of red wine um, and relaxing and reading your book and having that as your, your time for you but sometimes we're busy we're really busy in life um, and with lots and lots of stuff to do and we're probably very stressed so what I've found is I've really got into audiobooks and I you're right, I use Audible. Um, and what that means is that there are times when, when I'm doing other things that we need to do, like cutting the grass or clearing out the house or getting ready for whatever. Um, then I put my AirPods in and listen to audio, audiobooks as well. And it's a good way to relax while doing something that you maybe don't really necessarily like doing so if we're saying to you right belly you need to tidy your room up and stuff I know you sometimes sometimes music's the thing to go for and that depends on your mood um but sometimes it's an audiobook or sometimes it's a podcast so I think anything that gets you hearing people read out loud or or talk about books or talk about stories or whatever anything like that I think is going to be good for you
1: and as well for kids that are like like I'm not going to mention the same question but um what do you think would be the best authors for like kids to like even listen to on like a podcast or album book or just even read their book what do you think would be the best authors
0: um kids authors there's lots of kids authors that i think would be really good um but i think that there's a tendency for kids and parents to think that just because somebody is really famous maybe a celebrity um people like well i want to say it david Williams, Mm.
1: um
0: just because they have high profile does doesn't mean that they're the only authors out there
1: Mm. so
0: david Williams' books are good he's a really good author and i've heard some of his readings of his books i've heard some of his audio books and they are fantastic books but he is not the only author in the world and he's not the only kids author in the world so i would say again like you're reading um have a wee look around and see what's there for you Um, i mean you discovered only because mommy likes julian clary as a comedian you discovered the bowls, um and those are fantastic kids books so and actually really funny as well as you know more than i do um so there's people like him but also the what i would call the classic ones like um
1: jk rowling and all that stuff
0: well jk rowling would, would be maybe a more modern one but i was thinking of roald dahl and people like that yeah and Enid Blyton, people like that. Um, but I know you've started getting into your Harry Potter now. So mm-hmm. yes, I would recommend JK Rowling as well. And that is if you can get through that whole series, um, that will do a lot for your reading as well.
1: Yeah, because like there just because there's like famous offers, it doesn't really mean like there's other like local people, more like outcast kind of stuff, because there might not be There might be people, just maybe people that's not really known for writing, maybe they're known for other stuff. Uh And not many people really notice them for their writing. And they're more in the lower category of, um, like, authors, more that kind of stuff. Uh So would you like to maybe talk about some of your characters in the book?
0: Okay, right. So, whooping. I was wondering when you would get to, actually, me talking about the books, because that's what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but it's been really fun so far, so I don't mind. Um, Yeah, my terror books, Um, obviously, because I'm talking to you, I can't go into lots and lots of detail about them. But they centre around a character called Mark Shaw, who is, well, he starts off the books as a head teacher of a school. Um, but he's very close to his uncle and his uncle is murdered Um, very early on at the start of the first book and the police investigation into his uncle's murder doesn't really go anywhere so the police end up just closing the case and Mark wants to get justice so he wants to find out what happened um, and have the person punished who killed his uncle so his uncle should have mentioned this was um a private investigator and mark ended up inheriting the, the the private investigation agency from his uncle when he died so he decided to use the skills that his uncle had and the facilities that he's had to try to solve the murder and along the way he meets well should actually should talk about his wife and stuff too um, he puts together a team, one of them is his wife, um, who is actually a crime fiction writer. And he teams up with uh, a DCI from Liverpool um, that we talked about earlier, and the psychic medium that we mentioned earlier as well. So they become what we know as the first investigations team. And they try to investigate his uncle's death. But along the way, they come into the path of a, what we call a serial killer called terror. Um, so he's a really, really bad guy who does lots of nasty things that, um, that you'll read about when you're older. And a lot of the nasty things make people hate him, but some of the things he does make people like him too. So he's a, a bit of a complex character. Um, and then there's a thing called a cult, which is, it's, kind of to do with religion i know you don't really know much about this kind of stuff yet um but it's meant to be like religion or people being very good but actually they're very very evil and power hungry um and the investigation puts them onto the, onto the path of them as well and throughout the three books they have to deal with this terror person um, and they have to deal with the cult but they also have to solve lots and lots of other mysteries and murders along the way. So it's like three separate books with, that contain, continue one or two storylines, but have lots of others in between. And I'm really, really thankful to have written these books because lots and lots of people really seem to like them. Um, and when I got to the end of what I call the terror trilogy, people were a bit sad. Um, and want more but they thought that the terror trilogy meant that I wouldn't write about the Farship team anymore so I had to reassure some people that actually I'm going to do something different now um, I'm working on something new but I will go back to Farship Investigations and write about those characters again in the future maybe next year
1: So this is kind of like a I think a would be It wouldn't be too difficult. Well, what do you think would be the best time to give someone like a book, like World Book Day, Christmas, Valentine's Day, New Year, Halloween, what like those kind of holidays? What do you think is the best day to like give them?
0: I think anytime, anytime, anytime you're given. Uh, gift to somebody I think you should always maybe think about a book um, and I'm interested in that you mentioned um, Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is actually um, international book giving day as well mm-hmm. so in some countries instead of flowers and chocolates and stuff the way we do um, they give books instead so and I think if I remember rightly I gave you a book this time but I can't remember what it was Pretty sure I gave you something. But anyway, that's, that's another story. Um, but anytime time, because people like, for example, Christmas time, if you give somebody a book, um, they're maybe off for a few days of Christmas and what are they, do, what are they doing? They're maybe laying around the house having their chocolates and having their whatever, their treats. And it would be nice to curl up with a nice book and relax before they go back to work. Um, near the summertime, people are going off on holidays and they like to have their book with them on holidays and stuff. So anytime really, a book's always a really good gift to give somebody. And I think an even better gift to give somebody is the gift of loving books. And I think doing that is, and I know me and you do it sometimes, um, we sneak off to No Alibis. Do you remember what No Alibis is? Yeah. Yeah, so that be yeah. shop, the wee book okay. shop. Um, and I think if you're going to buy a book i think it's much better to go and support a little well not a little bookshop it's actually quite a a, a big bookshop um but to go and support a local bookshop um like that or the other one do you remember i you heard me talking about the secret bookshelf and stuff as well that we're going to visit when the lockdown's over um so it's important to, to help um local bookshops and local businesses like that too so always yeah a book's always a good gift
1: so how long do you think it's best to read like 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes etc how what do you think is like the best time to read
0: doesn't really matter it's up to you i mean some people 10 minutes before they go to sleep is fine that helps them get to sleep or other people maybe would spend an entire sunday afternoon maybe four or five hours I know some people that when they start a book, they can't put it down. So they would maybe set up all night to do it. And I've done it myself a few times. So it's up to individual people have different th- different ways of doing it and different things they like. So it's up to them.
1: So what kind of helped you think of a design for the book? Like what helped you? Who helped you? And all that stuff what kind of inspired you
0: the cover design well you you saw especially you're, you've been old enough especially of the dark light but you saw some of the ideas for the covers didn't you mm. um well most people if you're not self-publishing then you, you generally have a team behind you in your publish publishing group or your publisher um, and you'll come up with some ideas and they'll have graphics people or maybe you'll not come up with ideas. Maybe it'll be just their graphics people will come up with ideas. Um, but they generally look at the theme of the book and what it's about and that kind of thing, um, and what, what's fashionable, what's on trend and publishing at that time. And they come up with ideas, and then it's up to you to maybe um, get your say in it. And I was really lucky because I had lots of say. Um, I worked quite closely with the graphic designers myself, an Excalibur and I had lots to say of what my final book looked like and actually all the covers I had lots of input into so I'm looking at the time Bella and we're kind, we've are we actually been talking for nearly an hour believe it or not so yeah. we we'll only have time for one more question so do you want maybe to ask about what the new book is or something okay because I know you, you asked me that in the radio show and you kind of put me off guard a wee bit because I wasn't planning on speaking about it But the new book is not going to be forest Investigations. I will go back to forest Investigations at a later time, but the new book is going to be set in Antrim, where we now are based. Um, And it's going to have a female lead character this time who's been away in London for a while and has come back to Antrim. Um, And it has what we call in writing a really interesting premise. A premise is the idea behind the book. Um, and I've only shared the premise with a few people, um, but some of those people are quite, they know their stuff within publishing. Um, and they've said this book has to be written and it has to be written really, really quickly. So that's why I'm so busy at the moment. And I can't really tell you anything more than that at the moment other than I think if people like the terror stuff, they're going to be blown away by this one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I have to say, we're going to finish off now, but I have to say a really, really big thank you to you. Um, I, as you know, I have friends within the media and stuff, and I was going to ask them to come, and, one of them to come and be a guest host to, to interview me because so many people had asked for it but you asking me to come on your radio show the other day really showed me how talented you've become um, and I think you have a career and being a presenter or something or a journalist so thank you for taking the time um. and I have to say to our listeners out there before we say goodbye um, I had absolutely no idea what Bella was going to be asking me today and Bella didn't have any idea either because neither of the two of us have anything written down. At least I don't think you have anything written down, do you?
1: No.
0: No. So all of that was, all the, the questions were completely out of Bella's head. So well done. And thank you very much, Bella. And maybe when the new book comes out, I'll have you back again. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you soon. I'm going to say soon. I mean, I'm going to go downstairs in a minute. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.